It's great to be here, dear brothers and sisters. I, it's really a privilege to be uh, here in the front uh, preaching the Word of God. It is indeed my first time preaching in English and here at the Forks, so be patient with me. <laughs> um, just, just, uh, I just want to share with you first um, something personal. <laughs> Many of you, or most of you, know my wife, Victoria. And Victoria is the most efficient people I know. And she wakes up really early in the morning. She goes down the stairs, uh, prepares a tea, because that's what she, she does every morning. Tea, English, uh, English tea. Uh, and then she goes and have his time with, with God. And then after that, she starts doing things. Like she care, takes care of the cats, and then he, she, she would do this, and then she would uh, clean that, and then many things in like one hour or less. And she does a lot of things whilst I'm trying to get awake like a zombie and it takes me like 30 minutes to just think of my life. And, and when I go downstairs, breakfast is served. The, the house is clean. The cats are happy. <laughs> and, and I'm still like a zombie going down. And the Gospel of Mark is kind of like that. Uh, one of the most repeated words in Mark is immediately. It shows Jesus doing thing after thing, right after another. And Jesus is doing something, and all of a sudden a person comes to him. And so he's, he approaches, he talks to him, and then all of a sudden another person comes, and another person, and he goes somewhere, and he goes to another place. And then immediately, 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 it reminds me of how uh, efficient in how many things Christ did, and they're not even, not all the things are registered in the Bible that Christ did. And it seems like Mark is rushed to take us to the cross. The Gospel of Mark is also known for registering more miracles of Jesus than the rest of the Gospels. In fact, it registers more miracles than teachings of Jesus. Now, this does not mean that Mark is not about teaching. It's not about only about miracles. But these miracles that Jesus performed were parables that showed the work of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, they teach us deep spiritual things. And today's passage is not the exception. According to um, Mark chapter 4, verse 27, leprosy was a common illness in Israel. And it had been for a long time. And Jesus had healed cases of leprosy. Even though the gospel registers Jesus healing some people with leprosy, it is probable that Jesus uh, healed many more. In Mark 14, Jesus visits Simon, who was known as Simon the leper, Jesus was there with other people, so it seems like he was already 
the, Simon was already healed. Maybe Jesus healed him, although we don't have um, that record in, in the Bible uh, or any Gospels. But then in Luke, Luke 10, uh, Luke 10 registers Jesus healing 10 lepers at once. But again, this does not mean that Jesus healed many more lepers. lepers. The account of Jesus' healings that, that is in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are very selected. But we can summarize the number of people that Jesus healed in the words of Luke 4.40. It says, he healed them all. We only have a small sample of all his miracles in the Gospels. Therefore, we will not be able to count how many, how many miracles, how many people he healed. They are uncountable. So much so that the book of John, the Gospel of John, ends the Gospel saying, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the whole world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Now, what was the purpose of those miracles? Healing the sick, raising dead, casting out demons, feeding thousands, walking on water, etc., etc., etc.? Well, it was done to validate the fact that he, that Jesus is indeed the, the Son of God. And therefore, not only does he have supernatural power, but what he says is true. After all, the most important thing for Jesus was the message. If you go back just a little bit for the last reading in Mark, our main passage today, in Mark 1, 38, Jesus said to them, to the, his disciples, Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. And listen to this carefully. For this is why I came. Jesus came to preach. What was he preaching? Luke 5.32 says, I have not come to call the righteous, but, to, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came so that sinners could hear the message of the gospel that, they would, that would lead them to repentance and salvation. Jesus came to preach the message of the gospel of the kingdom. So what miracles did was uh, to validate the message that he was preaching. He did not perform miracles just because he's a good guy with superpowers and just, you know, so people would be surprised and of what he can do. No. He performed all miracles so that they may believe that he is who he says he is. He is God, and therefore his message is true and faithful. So let's go now to our first point, uh, which is the leper's cry. If you're taking notes, that is in verse 40. And then we are going to read that. Verse 40 says, in chapter 1 of Mark, verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. So how does the leper come to Jesus? Well, the leper comes to Christ imploring him. Another word we could use is he begs him. He came imploring him. He kneeled down 
to Jesus. In fact, if, he, if we would go to Luke, in his account of the same leper, the same miracle, he would say like this. He fell on his face and begged him. He fell on his face. This man was desperate. But why? Was leprosy that serious? What? Well, <laughs> uh, it is. It was. What was this man's condition really like? Again, Luke describes him as a man full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. Mutilated from head to toe. He was rotten, stinking, repulsive. He was not a man you want to be with around or you want to be around with. Most experts say that leprosy is known today as Henson's disease. And he has that name because of the man who diagnosed um, the cause. It is a disease that is caused by a bacteria that primarily attack the nervous system, resulting in permanent mutilations or deformities. The disfigurement associated with Henson's disease has been shown to occur mainly because of the body's pain warning system that is destroyed by this bacteria. What does that mean? Well, it means that this disease acts as an anesthetic well, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, anesthetic, causing numbness in the extremities as well as ears, nose, or eyes. In other words, you don't feel any pain whatsoever. And you may be saying, wow, that's great. I would like to have that. I don't want to feel pain. It is a tremendous and devastating disease. And the devastation that follows comes from incidents such as burning. Just imagine touching something really hot and you don't even realize it's that hot. And you touch it and you burn yourself. Boiling water. You try to wash your face, but you don't realize that water is boiling. And you just wash your head and there you go. Your, your face is being burned. And you don't even realize how about breaking bones, making so much strength to, to yeah, I don't know, to, to use a tool? You don't even realize how much strength you're using, and you just break your bones. Or even lose a part of your body, like finger, and you just don't realize. Cuts that go through the skin. Just imagine bites. They live in the desert. How many insects, snakes? And you're just sleeping there, and you're bitten by these insects or snakes or spiders or whatever. You just don't, don't realize. Physically, this man was in a very critical condition. He was full of leprosy. But what about socially? For a Jew, leprosy was the worst thing that could happen to you. You would be considered impure, like we just read uh, the passage in the Old Testament, Leviticus, right? The leper, the leper man had to wear torn clothes. He had to cover up his lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Think about it for a, sec for a second. How would you feel if you would go to the supermarket or a shopping center and you would just go and say, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, but shout it out loud? How would that feel? You would have 
a real feeling of shame and uselessness and despair. By Jesus' time, rabbinic uh, teaching would make things worse. They added more laws to, to the Leviticus one. Josephus is a Jewish uh, historian, and he states that if a leper showed his, fe- his head inside a, a house through a window, just that, that place would be considered, that house would be considered unclean. It was illegal to greet a leper. Lepers had to be, had to stay away a hundred cubits, which is around 140 feet away from people if they were upwind. And four cubits away if they were about six feet from other people, if they were downwind. This leper had violated all the exclusion rules and approached Jesus because he was in total despair. Lepers were as if they were living, dead people. There was no hope for a leper. No contact with anyone, especially his family, without being able to hug, protect, or care for his loved ones. He had to shout, unclean, unclean, when walking through the streets. He had to, the feeling that he was not worthy of anything and was consumed by the desperation to be clean again. There was no hope for him. He could not enter, he could not even enter a synagogue to hear the word of God be preached or worship. But there is a spiritual reality here. We are spiritual lepers. And like the leper and his physical numbness, Sin has numbed our spiritual life, and we cannot do anything but sin. But we don't, we don't feel it. But these, this leads us to a life, to eternal ruin. The question is, are you aware of your sinful condition? Now, you may have been involved in the church for, a long, for your whole life, but if you're not aware of your sinful nature, a sinner, or as the Apostle Paul calls us, dead in our sins, then let me tell you that you have never known Jesus as your Savior. And if you don't know him as your Savior, you don't know him at all. This man was really desperate to be cleansed, and he knew that the only one who could do something for him was Jesus. My prayer is that, like this leper, you may humble yourself before God for the cleansing of your sins. Let's continue to the leper's request in verse 40. These were his words. If you will, you can make me clean. Notice that he doesn't say, if you can cleanse me, cleanse me. No. He does not doubt that Jesus can heal him. But he doesn't know if Jesus is willing to do so. But where the leper doubts, we have certainty. We know that God wants to heal, wants to forgive our sins. Listen to the word of God. It says, The Lord is not as slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you 
not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Second Peter 3.9. There's nothing more in accordance of, to God's will than this. He wants to, um, to heal us. 1 Timothy 2.3.4 says, This is good and is pleasing in the, in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. We cannot say to Christ, if you will, cleanse me. Instead, we can say, since you are willing, I beg you, Lord, to cleanse me. The leper was fully aware of his condition, and yet he believed that Christ could cleanse him. Are you aware of your spiritual condition? From the leper's cry... We move now to the response of our Lord in verse 41, the Lord's answer. How does the Lord answer the leper's cry? Let's read in verse 41. It says, Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be cleansed, be clean. Not only does he respond in pity and compassion, but he also responds with a word and a touch. Now let's define that word for a second. Not a one to be confused with. Pity seems to be confused with mercy, even though they're related. But the, the word, the Greek word for that is splanknizomai. And this expresses a deep compassion and empathy. It, describe, it describes a visceral reaction that you feel it in your gut, basically. It goes beyond empathy. This is what Jesus felt like. It wasn't just a sad emotion. Not only his mind, his heart, but his whole being was moved with pity. Have you ever had a loved one, like a child, spouse, or parent that was very sick, and you felt it to your core? Well, then you may understand what Jesus felt or how Jesus felt like how beautiful is it to it is to know that Jesus has compassion for us he really knows us and feels our greatest needs but he doesn't stop there what Jesus did with his pity or when he was moved with with pity was this Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him his pity was demonstrated in a touch. This man had not received a touch from anyone, especially his family, for a long time. If he had a wife, he wouldn't, he, he wouldn't have received a touch from her, let alone a hag. Imagine that. If he had children, he would not have received a kiss from them either. Something that he may have longed for a long time, but it was just simply impossible for him. I cannot imagine or describe the emotion that ran through his entire body when he received the touch of God himself, Jesus Christ. Just imagine the reaction of everyone surrounding Jesus at that moment. They must have been shocked. Jesus had touched a leper. Jesus would be ceremonially unclean after having direct contact with the leper. Not only was, was he 
a thousand, sorry, a hundred cubits away or four cubits away. No, he touched him. Jesus touched the untouchable. And that's how I titled the sermon for today. Jesus touched the untouchable. Let's go now to the next verse. The lepers cleansing. Cleansing. Let me get some water. Verse 42. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Here comes a miracle. Pay attention to this word. Immediately. Remember the word that is most repeated in Mark? This is how Jesus healed. Instantly and completely. If his face was disfigured, it was restored. If he had lost an eye or a finger, it, it appeared instantly. There was no healing process. It was, not a, it was not progressive. Like, for example, when you recover from an illness, like fever, it would take you three days or five days to be eventually okay. No. This was instantaneous. At that very moment, instantly, from one moment to the next, from one second to the other, he was clean. Just compare to how many, how fast you blink. I googled it recently. And, and supposedly, it is about 100 milliseconds. When we talk about instantly, you can just figure, you can just imagine when Jesus touched him, he was completely clean. He was completely restored. This is what Jesus or this is what he brings when he brings salvation to our lives. And it has a name. It is called justification. God declares us righteous in Christ. And he does it instantly. He declares us completely righteous. There's no cleansing process prior to that in which we try to get rid of our sins, trying to do good works so that we could come to the presence of God so he, could, he might receive us? No. The righteousness of Christ is given to us when we put our trust in him alone. His righteousness is now our righteousness. When the Bible talks about... Um, a leper uh, that is clean, uh, it doesn't talk about healing a leper. It usually talks about cleansing a leper. There's a, a difference there. And even though we could use both, but um, remember what we read in Leviticus. He had to cry, unclean, unclean. It was because he needed to be cleansed. Brothers, you and I, also need to be cleansed, but we need to be cleansed from our sins. The good news is that God is willing to do it. Our Lord had to shed his blood to cleanse us from our sins, First John 1, 7. And this is what God did in my life. God has reached out to me with his compassion and restoring hand. He did not give me what I deserve, which 
it was his wrath. But he gave me what I do not deserve, which is his grace. And love. And to those who humble themselves before him and trust in him, he gives grace. And his grace touched this wretched man that you see in front of you. God touched the untouchable. And he's willing to do the same for you. As many of you know, I visited my country recently, Bolivia, about two months ago. A trip that I did not plan at all. But God in his providence provided what was needed through a faithful couple to whom I'm deeply thankful for. I went there with a mission team that supports a girl's home. And most of them are here. (laughs) I hope you guys feel welcome. Although I spent a beautiful time with them and and also with my family, something happened that really marked this trip. And most of you know my story, but let me tell you a very important part of it. When I was 10, my dad left home. And usually in Bolivia, if your dad left home, means he disappeared, basically. He went to, with another woman, never was responsible for, you know, bringing money to the table, bread to the table. My mom had to work double. I was 10. My uh, youngest sister was not even one year old. And I would see my mom working so hard to bring food to the table, even on, on, on the weekends, that as I was growing up, I started to grow a hate toward my father. And it was so much so that when I was about to graduate, well, not graduate, go to prom last year of high school, And usually parents show up for special occasions like graduation, for example. On that day, my hate was so much that I prepared a speech if he would appear. And this was what I planned to say. If he came to that day, I would say to him, this is nothing to you. And right away, I would... Do this and give him what he deserves, basically. Thank God he didn't appear, okay? He didn't appear to that day, so, whew, the the Lord, it was his providence. Because later, I was hit with the gospel. And I recognized that the hay that I had for my father was my own fault, Now, let alone what he did, he's responsible to God. But I was responsible for what I had in my heart, which was hate. I was in homicide. Or, as the Bible says, you know, if you hate someone, you basically killed that person. So I was hit with the gospel, and then Christ showed me my sin. And I looked at the cross, and I understand how much God forgave me. And from that moment, I tell you, God changed the story 
of my life. There was no way to contact my father. I didn't know where he was. But I wanted to tell him that I forgave him. There was no way to do that. And I went to Bolivia this trip. And all of a sudden, I'm in a WhatsApp group. And I see a phone number that says something. And I see a profile picture. And I was like, whoa, this is my dad. And I write to him right away, and I said, Dad, I'm here in Bolivia. I don't live here, but I would like to see you. And he responds back and says, Wow, son, this is a great surprise. Sorry for not contact you, contact, contacting you before. I felt so guilty that I couldn't reach out to you. But I would like to see you. He was living eight hours away. Short, long story short, we met in Bolivia. And I see him there in the front. And I go to him and I hugged him. And he said, son, I'm so sorry for everything I did to you. He was humbled by God. And I said, dad, I already forgave you years ago. I wasn't able to say that to you. And you saw me touching the untouchable. This is God's providence. This is God's grace. Even in that situation, and praise Him for that. I want to close this with this glorious truth. Oh, just before that, I just wanted to ask you if you're struggling with lack of forgiveness or resentment, you can come to God. It is time that just as God touched you, that is, he forgave you, you would do the same today. Decide to touch the untouchable. Even though you cannot touch, him, touch them physically, grant them forgiveness. Consider what Christ has done for you on the cross. Now I want to close with this metaphor, with this glorious truth that, help, that would help us understand what Jesus did. And what Jesus did is to change places with the leper. The leper started in the desert. He met Jesus, and he was able to go to the city. On the other hand, we see Jesus in the city. Meeting the leper. And in verse 45 says, he could no longer go to the towns of the city. So he went to the desert. You see that? We are spiritual lepers who live far from the citizenship of God. Christ meets us in our desert. To bring us into the presence of God in his kingdom. But he had to leave the city, his throne. To enter the desert and becoming flesh. The only way he can bring us from our separation from God to the very presence of God. Is for Christ to leave his kingdom and come to be forsaken by the father paying the highest price 
with his precious blood. That's what he did on the cross. For our sake, he made him to be seen who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 The fact that Christ was forsaken on the cross, and that Christ has been treated as one that, was, that is cast out, is the reason why we can be accepted and welcomed in the Father's presence. As I read this last verse, think of who you really are spiritually. A leper who switches places with Jesus. Listen to the, God of, the word of God. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. This is a picture of what happens when Jesus cleanses us from our spiritual leprosy. He touches us and takes our wounds away, our sins away, and pays them fully on the cross. And with his wounds, we are cleansed. What a beautiful truth. And praise God for that. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, we come to you recognizing who you are. The most holy and glorious God. But we come to you with the same attitude of a humble leper. And we implore to you that you may cleanse us from our sins. We know that you're willing. So we implore you to cleanse us. We are clean because you exchanged our wounds for your righteousness. We are untouchable. And yet you decide to touch us with your healing hand. And Lord, if there's somebody here that hasn't heard the gospel before, let this beautiful truth penetrate his heart and humble his heart so that he may believe in you and what you did on the cross. Lord, help us touch untouchables like you did. If we, were, if we are struggling with bitterness and unforgiveness, help us understand what you did for us and forgive others. Give us your strengthening and enabling grace to forgive and even to ask for forgiveness. If we are the ones who did something wrong to others, whether it's a parent, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a child, whether it's a friend, Lord, help us forgive or help us go and ask for forgiveness if that's needed. Lord, we ask the, this, these things in Jesus' name. Amen.